What's up, y'all? Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend and you have a great week ahead of you. Uh, we're getting close to the holidays, getting really excited. Um, hard at work currently. We just spent like the last couple hours packing up these holiday gift boxes. Um, we're shipping them out on Tuesday. If you're listening to this uh, on Monday, we'll be shipping them out tomorrow. And they'll be at your home, ready to go by Christmas or whatever uh, other holiday you decide to celebrate. Birthdays, quinceañeras, you name it, man. We got you. <laughs> uh, our guest today is Mark Cunningham. He is host of the Shop Table podcast, um, and he is a former barista at Guilt Trip Coffee. He lives in uh, British Columbia, and he currently is actually chilling in Northern Ireland with his wife to visit family. Um, when we talked to him, uh, to, I believe today was his last day of isolation. So he's really excited to go, um, go on long hikes and see the sights and spend time with family. So uh, we're really happy for him and we're really stoked to have had this nice conversation. We chatted about his podcast and you know what the inspiration was behind there and how it's grown over time um how he got into the coffee industry and what craft coffee means to him now that he's actually working a different day job and coffee is more of a hobby or a passion just like it is for kevin and i at this point the Shop Table podcast is a podcast about community and coffee, which should be ringing a bell in your head because we do the same kind of thing. We have the same ethos. Um, we care about telling people stories and, you know, not only just talking about coffee, but the people behind coffee. One thing that's really important about having a podcast like that is uh, to not isolate certain audiences. You you want to be able to bring people into the community and have them feel welcomed by hearing other people's stories and realizing those people are just like me. They have similar aspirations. They're just people that got into something that they really love, became passionate about something that they really love. So we, we had a blast talking to Mark, and I think you're going to enjoy this as well. Um, Mark really loves sports. He obviously loves coffee. Uh, he loves to travel and... He's also a huge nerd, apparently, which we didn't get to cover, but uh, I'm, I'm learning now as I continue to read about him. He likes WoW, Lord of the Rings, um, Star Wars, uh, really, really cool sounding guy. We're really blessed to have had him on the podcast and can't wait to, you know, see where he takes the podcast, see where things go and uh yeah got all the love in the world for him so without further ado please enjoy this episode of the upstate coffee collective podcast thanks for listening thanks for liking and subscribing and rating or whatever the hell else you're supposed to do um we're blessed to have been doing this for 2020 it really made this year a hell of a lot better than it could have been and we couldn't have done it without you so thanks a lot uh we have a we have another episode coming out next week, and then we're done for 2020 because 2020 is done. Peace the fuck out, 2020. Have a great week, y'all. Enjoy.
talk about would be like old news by the time the podcast was launched. We did that too. We made that same mistake. We were like, so pr- you get so proud of it. You're like, oh, I've got this backlog of episodes. People can't wait to listen to it. And then you release the episode and you're like, damn, man, that's some old news. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah so just. If, and then I and then I didn't do enough in advance, and I was trying to like record one every week, and that got like even that felt even more busy. So uh, I kind of put it on pause with the like rebrand of the page. I'm going to relaunch it in the new year and do season two. But uh, yeah, like I so we we don't really talk about sports anymore now. It's pretty much strictly just like people, the people in coffee, kind of similar to what you guys are doing. You know, just talking about stuff and like what people do outside of coffee. Yeah, I think is more. Like what it's about. It's like, here's somebody who's in coffee. This is how we connected. Let's talk about other stuff. Yeah. Let, let's take the formal light on that. Uh, Mark Cunningham, your first time guest on this podcast. Uh, who are you? How are you? What do you do? Okay. Uh, so I'm Mark Cunningham. Uh, I am, I'm doing great. So currently I'm in Northern Ireland. Um, for the Christmas holiday, we're on our two weeks of isolation uh, because we flew over here from Canada. Canada is where I where I normally live. My wife is from Northern Ireland, so that's why we're here. Uh, we met in Canada back in 2013. Uh, got married in 2016, so we just passed four years. And um, so we're here for the month of December and doing, I've actually, this is the second podcast I've done during isolation because there's nothing else to do. It's very boring <laughs> being stuck at the same place. We're not even allowed to like leave the house to go for walks. So. I was like, one day I just desperately needed exercise, so I literally ran up and down the stairs for 15 minutes because I was just like, I, can't, I, I just need to do something. Uh, so that was good fun. Um, but yeah, and then what do I do? Uh, so I work at a kind of like a summer camp. It's hard to describe. It's called Muskoka Woods. Uh, it's about two hours north of Toronto, and it is started as a summer camp but runs all year round. And I work in the leadership studio, which is a different department. Um, and we host groups anywhere from uh, corporate financial groups, big nonprofits like World Vision, uh, down to high school students like leadership programs and student councils and then resiliency students as well. Uh, and we run leadership development programs for them. Uh, so I facilitate, I create those programs. Um, I also help manage the building itself that we're in. We have like a, our own specifically built building. Uh, obviously with COVID, we haven't really been doing a lot of that stuff. It's been a lot of <laughs> virtual training, uh, which doing that stuff over Zoom is, we've kind of figured it out at this point, but it's still not not the best. But um, yeah, that's, so that's, uh, that's what I do. Uh, I also work, uh, I'm a contributor to Pro Football Focus, which is like an analytics company that does data and stuff for the NFL. And so I do part-time work for them uh, on the that's side. That's cool. That's really fucking cool. <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's just been fun. So, uh, um, do like the we we the department I work in, we create um, data packets. So we 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 take all our raw data, we sift through it to find interesting information. We put it into a packet on a specific team, and that gets sent to the broadcasters for the game. Uh, so the guys talking about it, they get that, and then they'll use that in their commentary throughout the game. I think it also goes to the teams. Man, you know, so I'm a. I, I'm I'm a data scientist. Uh, I I run data. That's the first time I've ever heard you call yourself that, and yeah. I'm really excited about it. Are you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I often refer to myself as a software engineer because I do, do I do some I do some some coding, some software yeah. engineering. But the main thing that I do is data analytics. I'm a data scientist, wow. and 
Yeah, and so like I've been thinking to myself a lot, you know, uh, if if I were to move to another, you know, another job somewhere, because I, I, I work for uh, a contractor to the Navy, to the U.S. Navy, and so what I always think to myself, you know, if I were to do something else data related, like what would I do? Because there are a lot of really interesting jobs out there. I don't think uh, <laughs> I, I never thought the NFL would be one of them. So that's that's wicked cool. But it could be uh, it, that it could. Yeah, be. that's what I'm saying. I'm very shocked. That door just eked open a tiny yeah. bit for you this morning. Yeah. When you heard. Analytics is huge in in most sports now. I mean, it was kind of baseball was the first one to like really kick it off. If you've like obviously like Moneyball, um, oh, yeah, the movie yeah. like that's all data science and 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 the stuff that Pro Football Focus does for the NFL is and for college football is is the same. It's the same kind of stuff. It's all data driven. All the all the player grades are data driven. It's really funny because like people get people get like really intense about their favorite players and teams. And so when players that like the casual fan think are good have like a bad game and pro football fo focus post something on their Instagram about them, like, you know, this is their grade and it's terrible or something like that. People lose their minds and it's hilarious. Like I, PFF loves, I'm pretty sure loves that part of it is they love just like causing drama. And it's just like, you just see the comments and it's, people are just like, you guys don't know what you're doing. Like PFF sucks. Like, how dare you grade this person? It's just like the funniest thing in the world so like so i enjoy like a, being a part of it yeah you take like this data and you objectively post about how a player is doing and then people subjectively react to it like that's gotta be a <laughs> funny interaction yeah it's, it's, it's like, uh it's the time it's the time for sure facts like, don't care about your feelings bro yeah, it's like serving someone a tennis ball and then watching them try to hit it back with just whatever they could find around them like <laughs> <laughs> So I'm interested to see uh, how this conversation does move in and out of coffee. My first question would be how how did you get into coffee? You were you worked for a, a notable coffee roaster. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I got into coffee just on my own. Uh, like my sort of first introduction. I never drank coffee growing up. Like uh, here in Canada, coffee is like Tim Hortons. If you've ever been up here or you guys yeah. live in the north of the states. You might Tim have Hortons. some Tim Hortons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where I went to college, we were close enough to the Canadian border. We had a Tim Hortons. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So uh, that was like the only thing here for a long time. Like when Starbucks came to Canada, it was like a big deal. Um, and so, like, I didn't really drink it growing up. I just, I started drinking it in college, just out of necessity, um, which I think is like a lot of people's stories. And then I I made some friends like later, kind of in my early twenties, that were like really into specialty coffee. One of them uh, was from Australia, and he like worked in specialty coffee and worked for a big roaster in Toronto and stuff like that. And, um, I eventually bought, so, uh, when Hannah and I first started dating for one of her, like the first birthdays we were together, I bought her an AeroPress and like a hand grinder. Cause she traveled a lot and I was like, we could, she love, really loves coffee. And, uh, so it, but the thing was when she's in one place, she likes to get her coffee quickly. And so using a hand grinder and AeroPress wasn't really her jam. Like she just wants like push button, get coffee kind of thing. And so I started <laughs> using it. My buddy sent me coffee and, uh, so I, I started getting, and I was like, whoa, this is like actually what coffee can taste like. And uh, it was hooked from there. And so I, I was working for Muskoka Woods before. And after my wife and I got married, we were there for a year and we decided, hey, we, like, we want to try something new. So we moved to Northern Ireland. Um, and I like shotgun applied to every, like just any coffee place I could find. Like I sent them a message, I emailed them, like whatever. I was like, I want to work in coffee because like I love it so much. 
and got really lucky and interviewed at like this really new shop called Guilt Trip, um, which is like exploding now. There are five shops and, you know, their branding is amazing. So I got really lucky and got in there a couple of months after they opened. Um, I, you know, it took a chance on me. I, you know, I had never worked in a cafe environment or worked with espresso or anything like that. And, um, just kind of like, yeah, got, got into it and, and loved it and worked there for two years and like, yeah, really learned a ton and like started to really get like, you know, enjoyed dialing in and tasting and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, was helping them choose the coffees and all that sort of thing. So worked there for two years and that was sort of like my professional at life in coffee. And then obviously we, we le- I left that job and we moved back to when we were offered um, jobs back in Canada, back in Muskoka Woods. So left the coffee industry and now the podcast past the brew was kind of my way of like getting back into the coffee industry in like a non professional way. Uh, along with now my coffee account, which is called the shop table, which is, you know, about community and bringing people together and, and, you know, giving roasters a platform and things like that. So that's sort of how I got into specialty coffee and like my professional life. And I would love to get into it again, you know, um, talking to you know people it's like you know do we open a cafe roastery do we just do i figure out what the shop table means like does that just become its own niche so um yeah that's sort of my life in coffee there's so many options there there's I, i've just yeah. got like i'm sure you do too i just have so many things running through my mind about the shop table first of all the branding for the shop table i love it i love the color scheme i love like your this is such a uh yes. this is such a funny thing to to compliment people on just it's just such a 2020 thing but your instagram feed is just oh, it's beautiful. so so beautiful mm-hmm. um i agree where did you get that inspiration from like like from a branding standpoint where did you learn anything did you do like what what do you got um <laughs> uh, i played around with like a bunch of different things kind of like just on surprisingly on uh so i use canva those of you out there it's a free platform online to do designs uh, so I used Canva and just sort of played around with like a bunch of different stuff. And um, I had some friends who are uh, graphic designers who I kind of like talked to and was initially going to um, pay them to like help me design some stuff. And mm-hmm. then uh, just had some like obviously our work's just been different. And so uh, just not it was it wasn't really in a place financially to make that kind of a commitment to the brand uh, and like trusted my own ability to kind of come up with something. And then I was just like fiddling around with color schemes and like searching through and found that like pink, blue and yellow one. And I was like, this is dope. Like, I really like that. I like, I like bright. And like, I was finding like a lot for a long time. Coffee was like this, you know, neutral earth tones, like really yeah. like, I don't know, hipster sort of like vibe to it. And I, I don't know the, the bright colors to me just really like not contrasted that, but really just kind of stood out. And uh, like a lot of, I find coffee is, is, moving to more interesting like out there designs and branding and things like that. So I just wanted to be, uh, I guess a little bit different that way. And I just liked, yeah, how bright and the contrast and all that kind of stuff and how it worked and how it just, when you think of a shop table, those are not the colors that necessarily come to mind. Um, and so it was kind of like a, you know, Oh, that position almost. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So that was, that was it. I don't really know anything about graphic design. Uh, so, but yeah, it was fun to do. That's cool. You don't have to be a graphic design professional to have an eye for, you know, design and, and, and to express yourself in a certain way. To yeah. d- w- Standing out is one of the most important things, I think, in branding. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I think that's really cool what you guys are doing. And obviously, you know, I've heard some episodes of your podcast. Kevin, you said you've, you've listened to a, a handful of episodes. Oh, yeah. It's, it's great, man. I, I think just, <clears throat> I think just having conversations with people and using coffee as like a center point, as like the nucleus of the conversation, mm-hmm. uh, is, is very powerful. You know, Kevin and I have mentioned multiple times, like using, the cafe environment as a as a catalyst for conversation is massive mm-hmm. you know oh yeah yeah it's the jumping off point it's where um, most people have their most you know their most uh enlightening conversations mm-hmm. is usually in a cafe with a cup of coffee that's where you catch up with old friends that's mm-hmm. where you do good work you come up with great ideas mm-hmm. and i think we carry and it that has forward. that history too yeah and yeah yeah that's w- the legacy of the cafe what's the history again uh originally so salons were being held in cafes in europe like th- during uh, yes, penny universities yeah the penny university yes thank you mark's in on it what were they the called penny universities oh coffee yeah, yeah, yeah was cheap so like you could go you could go and talk to these people who had intelligences that were like above and beyond your own at a cafe because everyone wanted coffee and then like they were kind of demonized for a while too. We've talked about that before. Yeah, lots know. of revolutions. The French Revolution, the American Revolution were, you know, can be traced to coffee shops um, because that was where people would meet. It was cheap. It was, you're right, it, you know, co- coffee's a stimulant. It gives you, you know, ideas. It gives you energy, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, the history of uh, cultures of coffee shops and, you know, I, it, there's kind of two sides obviously to the coin in terms of the history of coffee. like. Uh, is an extremely dark side and and then there's this side that you know yeah it, it it really is a powerful catalyst to change and revolution and i think even even as we look at the coffee community right now uh you're seeing some of that stuff happening in terms of like the shift in perspective on on coffee and like where it comes from and how it's made and like who, the people growing it and, and and you know where it comes from originally and how we're treating that community and all that kind of stuff so uh yeah i think it's a great place to start and it just brings people together yeah, I actually, I you know, it's funny that you mentioned the coffee community right now. I was actually, so, do, do you follow Mason from uh, Luminous on Instagram? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, his account's like iBrew Coffee. Did did you guys see what happened to, like, his bag and customs not too long ago? Like, I think it was yesterday. He just posted this thing. Like, they dumped the beans out on the floor and then swept them back. No, I didn't see that. He's been having, like, the worst carrier, like, scenarios this year. I think it was DHL this time. Like, FedEx messed up. UPS messed up. Now DHL has, like, completely just, like, shot a batch of his coffee. And, like, he, he, like... I feel the frustration with him because he's looking around an industry that like right now, like we don't have to get like too deep into it, but there's actually a lot of hypocrisy in the coffee industry. Uh, Uh, Yeah. 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 Uh, (laughs) Okay, cool. I'm glad we're all on the same page (laughs) here. You know, like, like I said, we don't have to get too into it right now, but like maybe this is a conversation we can continue elsewhere and try to focus on like Mark during this, but like, but like there's a lot of hypocrisy. And then I'm also listening to uh, Lucia Solis. Do you know her? Um, uh, no, I don't think so. She has her own podcast called Making Coffee. She okay. is shout out a former yeah. She is a former <laughs> viticulturalist and enologist, a and, winemaker. Whoa! And yeah, and this actually popped up because uh, Mattiel, our boy, yep. and I were talking last night, um, and 
he mentioned how saying anaerobic fermentation is redundant, and I agree. <laughs> it's completely redundant. Yeah, yeah thank you. It's like it's, it's it, a marketing term. Fermentation is by definition anaerobic, right? So right. like you're saying fermentation, fermentation. It's like how Panera bread is bread time bread, <laughs> if you translate it, right? So like <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, yeah, uh, what she says is it's like saying wet water, because then it makes your mind go, well, is there another kind of water that I don't know well, about? Well, that's like, that's <laughs> also one of those questions. Is water wet? Exactly. <laughs> so, well, let's not get into that. Well, so she gets into the whole like she get, she gets into like the making process of it and how we're actually like even us right now are, are kind of mislabeling things. And Matt and I talked about it like we say anaerobic fermentation because some people are restricting the oxygen to the 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 process that's happening so they're referring to the atmosphere around which the fermentation is happening however that it's creating more of a separation of dialogue in the coffee world because now we have like not only are we combating this forefront of like people who think that a macchiato is the thing that you get at starbucks but we also have people who are professionals that are saying anaerobic fermentation when they're all coffees involve a level of fermentation like there's a there's fermentation in part of coffee production period so how you know so her she's kind of approaching it from the questioning point which i really like is like okay cool how do we make this better and i the, like coming back around to what you were saying i like that there's a good i think a lot of the people who are starting to find their voice in coffee and i'll include all, us three on that like we're asking that question consistently we're asking how do we make this better mm -hmm. and i that's my favorite part about being in the coffee industry right now is there's a huge group of people that really keep asking how do we make this better it's not how do we make more money it's how do we make this better for everybody yeah 100% I, I agree I think there's you know the anaerobic fermentation and carbonic maceration and these really sort of new well not new but newer processes into the coffee industry that I think draw a lot of attention because they're exciting and they're exotic it's the same thing as like a panama geisha and this stuff that's that's different and out there and you know I think it's important in a way that it helps us involve the industry um, however, it's also a negative because it's, it takes energy and attention away from what makes coffee great in the first place, which is, you know, the, the things that make it good, like a natural washed and it process like places like Guji Ethiopia and, and, and stuff like this. And even just the people, right? Like we, we focus so much on, on these new processing methods and new brewing methods and all the like the fun science stuff. And I love that part of it, but I also think that sometimes it gets taken a little bit too far to where we, you know, you, you've got the, the one end of the spectrum of, uh, <laughs> automated, you know, baristas oh and, my God. and this yeah. kind of stuff. And, and then, and then you got the other end of the spectrum where people are like, you know, lever action, like the flare espresso maker. And, and so it's, I think it's important to have these things to advance the industry, but also to make sure we're putting them in the right place. And I think that's what people like the lady, the woman you're talking about, how, uh, you know, she focuses on why are we doing this and what's the, how is this going to make things better for us? You know, I think that's the important question. Yeah. A lot of coffee is, is this, um, especially coffee right now is this weird balancing act between, um, being transparent and marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Transparency is yep. marketing, right? It's kind of cool to be transparent. And it's also, it's cool to drop really like unique, sciencey, 
words, but a lot of times if you're dropping a lot of science without explanation or approachability, you are inherently excluding people who maybe otherwise would want to be want to learn more, want to want to. So uh, it, it's like uh, <clears throat> it's like you're creating like an exclusive club without even saying so. You're like, oh, this coffee's really good because it's you know anaerobically fermented, and people go. Well, I don't know what that means, so I must not be like ready for it. Um, yeah. D- c- yeah, yeah, yeah. Our what one of our big uh, one of our big focuses um, is in making coffee approachable, while also, um, you know, while like widening the base of coffee enthusiasts, you know, bringing people in from commodity, while also pushing the boundaries of what can be specialty, right? That's like the peak. I, I have this whole analogy of like a mountain or like a pyramid and like the base of it are people who are just kind of getting into it, buying their first AeroPress, kind of getting into it, you know, not buying their coffee pre-ground. And then the peak of the of the mountain or the, the you know, the pyramid is those of us at the forefront of these things, you know, the people who are getting sprudgy awards, the people who are, you know, spending a lot more time and money building up the infrastructure at origin. Like mm-hmm. it's so important to to push the boundary on both ends and yeah. not exclude people. It's almost like you're trying to turn the, this idea of a pyramid into, into more of just a square, right? So you have the base, you know, <laughs> yep. yeah. and you, you're trying to expand every area of it, right? Rather than having like this exclusive group at the top that's small and, you know, it's isolated and all that kind of stuff. It's like, no, 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 we want to widen that as well. Uh, but you can't do that without widening the base. So it's like, you know, it's the yeah, idea, you're right. It's a constant sort of balancing act. Well, I was going to get it. the shop tables helping with that. You're bringing together coffee professionals to talk about this exact thing. Yes. I mean, this is a, this is pretty much a double episode right here. You know, like we're engaging in the conversations that I hear you having a lot. Yeah, that's uh, when I thought about. So originally the name the shop table was given to uh special episodes of the of the past the brew podcast where i brought multiple previous guests on together who didn't necessarily know each other or who knew of each other but haven't hadn't really had a conversation before to then just have conversations about stuff right to do a multi-person podcast rather than just one-on-one and then that was kind of where the idea of the actual of the of the account being that uh you know bringing people to the table uh to showcase them to let them you know talk to talk about whatever it is you know that's going on in the industry or just to show people that there's more going on in the industry that we see i i had this conversation with someone else yesterday but i feel like there's these giants in specialty coffee and they're giants for a reason um you know when you, you think about like onyx and black and white and and luminous and cat and cloud there's all these these fantastic things but there's also people that are lesser known that are doing just as fantastic things uh that we need to give more space to, I, I guess is what is kind of what I'm getting at. I've met a lot of those people through the podcast. Like I was never going to reach out to like cat and cloud or onyx to be like, Hey, come on my you know, podcast that gets 30 views. Like I was just never going to do that. But like the people I reached out to were ended up being like these incredible people. And I was just like, I want more people to know about you. Like, let's get this out. Like come to the table, let's have a conversation and, and just like see what your views are. Cause there's all these really interesting views and styles and, thought processes around coffee that all these different people have that are so important to the industry at large, but they're just not necessarily out there yet. Yeah. I, uh, I got two questions and I'm trying to figure out which is more, which is more appropriate. Okay. Uh, so 
Give us an example of, of some people you've had on. I, I saw you you did an episode with uh, Kat Melheim and I believe um, Bartholomew Jones. And there was somebody else there too, right? Yeah, so I had, I had Bartholomew on. That was really fun. He's he's just like, you could just like ask him a question and then just let him go. And he could yeah, fill a whole yeah. podcast because he's, he's just so yeah. passionate <laughs> and knowledgeable. Like, yeah, you guys had him on. He's He's incredible. And yeah, and cats cats the same way. Cat cat was it, super easy to talk to. Uh, mm-hmm. So they were two two people I had on. But also like um you know Carlos Sims who's who's the first feature on the shop table right now. He's Happy Home Roasters. He is yep. genuinely one of the most amazing people that I've met. He's just so friendly and caring and kind and like invested in you as a person. Uh, and that's like all what his whole coffee business is about. Um, and then, you know, you've got, uh, Steven Zinnerman from the coffee enthusiast who is like, blows me away with his coffee knowledge. Like he was roasting on this tiny, like bullet. He was roasting on a B-more for a long time. He's roasting on this little tiny machine and roasting this ridiculously incredible coffee that he's never happy with. Cause he's just like such a perfectionist <laughs> and he just wants to push the boundary all the time. Yeah. And he's just, yeah. and so he's, and he's just, you know, he's, he's just full of knowledge and then. Uh, Kenny Baker has been on from Ethnos. He actually roasts for Carlos or for um, Bartholomew. Bartholomew. Yep. Yeah, so he roasts for Guji Main, and he's got his own brand, Ethnos, which is all about collaboration over competition. And literally, like, I think he's got six coffees available right now, three of which are a collaboration plus Guji Main. Like, he's he just does these really, like, he he collaborates with artists and local. Like, he did a coffee collaboration with a cigar shop, like, and, oh, and that's with, pretty cool. And with this in, uh, indigenous community in in Chicago, that Red Willow collab, like he just does these really cool things because he's like his whole thing is he just wants everybody to do well. Like he doesn't care about competition. Like his whole thing is competition or, or collaboration over competition. Um, and then Lenisa Williams from Barista Life LA, I had her on the podcast. She's phenomenal. You know, her story is like it's just super inspiring. She's like one of the hardest workers ever and just super passionate about getting everybody involved like in her community and especially coffee like not just you know the people who like coffee she's like no no no. like everybody come in like this is a place for all of you like i'm going to create something for everybody um so yeah it's just like all these incredible people that i got to meet through it but um and i'm just trying to think of like who else i've had i've had some you know some like instagram people who are just involved in kind of like the instagram coffee community like alexander mills and um Kyle, who are Canadian sort of like Instagram blogger guys who are just love the community and just want to support the community and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's been, it's been really good fun. I've got a man crush on Alexander Mills. He's, he's one of my favorite content creators out there on, on Instagram. Yeah. Mills, he's a, he's a, he's a dude. I like Alexander a lot. He's a, yeah, he, he, he's, he's super knowledgeable, man. Like he, for someone who's never like worked in coffee, he just knows what's up. Like it's crazy how much you know, he brings the science into it and it's just like his photos are always incredible and he's just a really nice guy as well. Yeah. yeah. I, who are like, just let's, I, I mean, I just, should we drop my, our, my our, is, our coffee is, crushes is peaked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are some of your favorite people in coffee? I mean, obviously like you, you've said Kenny, Kenny and Lenisa. Yeah. 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 The, the people on the podcast for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of like other, other sort of people in the industry that, you know, I'm, really sort of excited about like obviously like James Hoffman is kind of like the I just like watching his videos his videos are like therapy yeah you've got square mile on the table it's like therapy he's just like 
he's got such a smooth voice and like knows who he's talking about. Like I just love wa- watching those videos. Uh, and then there's a coffee brand, a coffee roasting brand out of Australia called Fluzy, um, which is an all female roastery that gets uh, coffee from all female producers. And the, the two girls that run that are just like phenomenal. Uh, it's just one of the, there used to be two girls who, who ran it. One of them moved to Canada. So there's just one running it now. But they're fantastic. Their account's great. Like I've, I, we brought their coffee when I was at Guild Trip. We we managed to get some over, um, to the shop, and it was phenomenal. So yeah, big fans of them. And then, uh, like, yeah, in in Canada, um, Luna Coffee Roasters are out of Vancouver, are doing yeah. some incredible, incredible stuff. Um, like some of the best coffee I've had in a long time. Uh. So yeah, like I have loads, but those are kind of like, if I was just going to say three that like I haven't had, like I'd love to get those people on the podcast, but I just. <laughs> have you applied the same analytics to these people that you would to like professional footballers or like <laughs> the number of barista championship titles? They're 0 for 4. Like. <laughs> that would be, uh, I don't know how you would apply analytics to people in coffee, but. Oh, but everybody's Me data, neither, though, you know? and I, I hope I didn't just open an, a very evil door like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I, well, who are, who are you guys? Who are you guys crushing on in the coffee industry? Who are you crushing on, Matt? Uh, who you got? Jared Truby, which is of course you know yep. classic Cat yep. and Cloud. Love Jared. We we like we chatted with him early on in uh, w- w- when we first. Uh, when we were first firing off this podcast and figuring mm-hmm. stuff out, Kevin um, Kevin was just reaching out to people in the industry, and like Jared Jared straight up was like like down to to podcast, mm-hmm. and I actually like pumped the brakes on it a little bit because I'm like I think we're too new and we're still figuring shit out. Like I don't want Matt wasn't ready. We were I wasn't I wasn't emotionally ready for that kind. Matt was gonna be like Wayne. I understand that feeling, Cooper. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I think I'm emotionally ready for it now. I think you know we've got the set, so I think we can make it happen. But yeah. Uh, who else am I crushing on? Yeah, I said Alexander Mills. He, he, Alexander's, uh, he, I, I, I aspire to have a like a feed like him. And now he's mm-hmm. got that, um, he's got that little thing he's doing now with the, uh, he's sending out the like, coffee club. The coffee club, yeah. The the blend. Yeah, so sample. I did the beta for that. Yeah. What did you think? It was it was great. It was really fun. Um, I so I was I was part of the beta like the 25 people who did it um off the bat it was really cool like the you know, doing it we did it over Facebook because it was like the only place you could do like a 25 to 50 person group and not have to pay like a ton of money for it um so we did that and the coffees we got were were really good they're really different like we had one from Papua New Guinea from Rabbit Hole Roasters I think there's a blend which tricked everybody um which was oh. fun because we just all like blind tasted them together and we like kind of like tried to guess and like talk about them and stuff. And then there's like a, an envelope you get that you open it up and it, as after and it shows you what they all are and, and things like that. So it was really cool. Like it, I, I appreciate what him and Jake who runs Revy coffee subscription were are trying to do with it in terms of like having this space for the people who really want to nerd out about coffee without making it super like his whole feed is about that because right? he likes approachability and coffee but he's also really nerdy about it and so he's done that he's created you know a space that's like you're if you're new to coffee you're just you're not going to go there just because it's like i mean it's expensive you really have to want to be a part of it in order to do it um but if for people that are in coffee i would 100 percent recommend it It was a ton of fun 
Yeah, I, I thought about it. I did. I know you did. <laughs> yeah. But I, I spend too much money on coffee as it is, Mike. I don't know yes, about... Accurate. I would, That's my... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what your coffee corner looks like, Mark, but I imagine like you also have way too many bags of coffee to drink by yourself. Yeah, there's like, I think probably nine on my shelf back in Canada right now, and I have three here because my friends have just been dropping some off. And then <laughs> the problem is like there's so many coffees that i want to get from the states and it ends up costing me like the sh- more in shipping than the coffee is we and were so it's talking. really prohibitive to get like from these so like i can't get coffee from like carlos and kenny all the time because it's like i have to pay 30 dollars in shipping for 30 dollars for the coffee like it just ends up not being like i can only do that every once in a while yeah. um but yeah i have way too much coffee that's insane that it costs that much to ship to Canada when it's like right there. Like you're not that far. Like and I mean, Chicago like less has Gucci Mane on shelves. Like the, they should be able to ship to Canada without paying thirty bucks. Yeah, it's all the import and export fees, right? Uh, it, it has because it crosses the border, so you've got uh, customs, and mm-hmm. that's really I think where the extra cost comes in. Yeah, and then as long as DHL doesn't completely destroy your shit, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly well yeah well because it, it used to not be so bad and then you know trump happened ah uh, north american free trade agreement went down the tubes and now now we got to pay for everything so yeah nafta yeah and now okay. it's the uh the he, the united states uh mexico canada something agreement usmca he, yeah we got right. put on the bottom that yeah. sucks yeah usmca Ugh. uh Apparently, I I don't understand uh, the I don't I'm not an economics guy, but uh, apparently it's supposed to be better. I don't know how, and it seems to not be better as far as I can tell. But you know, it's definitely how, not better for people. Yeah, <laughs> like if we're. Oh, I'm sure it's it's just got to be some kind of benefit for big companies that that's you know. What, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 for sure what it is. It's not helping me order a couple bags of coffee. Like that's it's definitely no, not helping me do that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It's all about America, right? That's yeah. That's all it is. It's is, very isolationist politics. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, but isolationist economics. We went down the rabbit hole with politics <sighs> a little bit, and and you know what? Now that we're like removed from the election, we could probably kind of lean. I mean, we're not a politics podcast, but we definitely no. talk about current events, right? We were here when like George Floyd was killed, yep. right? We were here during all of the all the protests. Um, mm-hmm. Breonna Taylor. Yep. All of that was happening, and Brianna we, Taylor's still happening, man. It's all yeah, still, happening. still happening. Like I, I, you know, there are people that I talk to on a weekly basis where that, like, her name still comes up, you know, and it's because oh, yeah. like nothing's been done yet. Yeah, you know, and not only that, like right now, there's a lot of focus on Georgia. Like we could get into them, but we don't have to. Like I was just listening to, um, the Daily this mm-hmm. morning, talking about what's happening down in Georgia and why we need to care about it. You're talking about the runoff elections? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a big deal. Huge. Yeah. American politics is so fucking like confusing though and, and like and outdated and there's so much about it that just drives me bonkers. Mm-hmm. What is it like looking looking down from the, from the great <laughs> the great north <laughs> on, <us laughs> on our from policy? Your high Canadian seats. Yeah, the the problem is like uh, because we're so close. Like U.S. politics is is pretty big in Canada, um, and it, it it Trump Trump being elected basically did the same thing to us that it did to you guys. It brought forward all these people who, you know, didn't didn't feel comfortable sharing their political beliefs beforehand because they were terrible. 
and now we're like, oh, I, I feel emboldened. I feel justified to do this now. And so it's, it's happening in Canada. Like we don't, we, you know, we luckily, we, we had an election kind of in the middle of Trump's uh, tenure and the, the conservative, the, the leader of the conservative party, obviously he wasn't, you know, he's, the conservative party of Canada is still pretty uh, liberal compared to yours. But at the same time for Canada, it was pretty, pretty backwards, um, the stuff they wanted to do. And luckily the liberals won, but they won a minority uh, because we have our political system. We have three major parties and a couple of smaller ones. Um, so we have the conservatives, we have the liberals, and we have the new democratic party, which is uh, further left, not quite socialist, but further that, that way. Yeah, and okay. they tend to split the left vote. And so often what will happen is the liberals will win a, ma- a minority and use the NDP to prop up to create a majority. Um, and so the liberals had a, ma- a, major- a majority, like they won a majority the first time around. And then after Trump's election, there was a lot of uh, similar viewpoints that came up in Canada in terms of like nationalism and anti-immigration and all this sort of garbage uh, that came up. And uh, the, the conservatives, they made a push that thankfully they didn't win, um, but they definitely made a push and it's become more of a more of an issue in Canada. So uh, people like to think that we're, you know, this really enlightened nation, but this stuff that has happened in Canada, you know, is is not all that different from what happened in the States. You know, Canada had had slavery and, and we were horrific to our indigenous population and still are. Um, our, our police force is uh, the RCMP and, and the Aboriginals have a horrible relationship. And it's it's not because of things that happened, you know, 100 years ago. It's, it's because of things that are happening now. And, you know, we had residential schools where they you know took children away from uh, Aboriginal children away from their families to try and assimilate them. Uh, and the last school closed in 95. So it's like not that long ago that this stuff was happening. So yeah, we, it, it's, it's obviously a lot different than what is going on in the States, but at the same time, it's not, it's not this like idealized place that I think many people, even in Canada, like to think it is. Well, and that was kind of like the joke when Trump got elected was like, Oh, we'll just move to Canada. That was you the know, joke. Like the American the joke. joke was like, I'll just move to Canada because fuck this guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Canada's immigration website crashed. <gasps> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that I didn't great? know that. Yeah, that's a fact. People actually were like gonna move. They're thinking about wow. it. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. You know, uh <laughs> Yeah, they were checking. I don't know how many people like actually went to it, but Yeah. They're at least, yeah, they're at least like jumping on to see what was up. I <laughs> The, the joke about like, oh, you know, Trump gets elected, like I'll just move to this, I'll move to Canada or I'll move to Europe or whatever, you know, that was a joke. But then on the other end of it, people were like, listen, like people who are kind of optimists about it were like, we've got a, you know, we've got a, a, a three tiered political system for a reason. There's checks and balances. How bad could it possibly get? And here we are. And here we are. <laughs> eh, we're away from it, so we're, yeah. we're on the upswing. Hopefully. Um, but I got to say, throughout the pandemic, you know, you guys were able to secure financial assistance from the government. You guys, if any, it, it, it was it was not universal, but anybody who was affected by covid was able to apply for and very easily get. I think it was like two grand or three grand a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was two thousand a month was the it's called the Canadian revenue or Canadian emergency relief benefit. Yeah. Um, and if you were laid off because of COVID, uh, they just all you had to do was like submit, and they just they gave you two thousand a month. Um, 
And now they've, so they did that for, from April to the end of October. And then they merged it with uh, our employment insurance, which is like unemployment. Um, and so now unemployment insurance has just like expanded to cover like a bunch of stuff. And so there's like categories within that where if you were laid off because of COVID, you apply for this. If you're, if you're just unemployed, then you apply for this and the money spread out a bit more. So it's still, you still get the same amount, but it's given weekly rather than monthly. So you get 500 a week, I think is like the base um, is the minimum, but you can get more because they applied it to EI. So you make EI based on like what you were making before and all this kind of stuff. But um, that's kind of how it has, has worked so far. And that's continued. They haven't taken it away. Um, so for that, like, obviously feel really lucky, like thinking that, you know, you guys got a stimulus check once and that was it. So, yep. uh, <laughs> yeah, we are, I our government spent that handled it fairly well. Quick. Yes. Yeah. $1,200 is not very much money nowadays. No, like, no. That's like um, not even rent for some people. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, no. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I mean, I personally was lucky that I didn't get negatively affected by this coronavirus pandemic. Um, thank God. Bless up. Uh, but I still know so many people in our industry that are, you know, that are hurting right now. I mean, we just saw, um, a really nice cafe in Troy or Albany Albany. closed down three fish cafe. Yep. Luckily, most, most of the the shops that I would go to, like in the city, like where my parents live. Um, and cause I live in the middle of nowhere anywhere within miles but um (laughs) have done have done pretty okay like the city of hamilton even when they were in lockdown allowed you know they did take away stuff so most places have done okay i don't think i know of any that have shut down completely like i know it's been difficult but at the same time i think they've um done done pretty okay in terms of how things are going as far as i'm aware so yeah that's been good at least that is good has this um has this year and the you know the virus and the the turmoil has it changed your view of you know what it means to run a coffee business even though like you know you're not necessarily running a coffee business you said that you may you know you may have aspirations for it opening a cafe has that changed your perception of what it means to do that or you know the the viability of it yeah um i think it this year, because so much has happened, has really just changed my my view on the coffee industry as a whole. Um, in terms of like what I followed, who I was following, uh, the representation, even on my my own Instagram feed, like what what did my Instagram feed look like? And that's massively changed just because I you know I had to look inward and be like, okay, like what's going on here? And so uh, just learning and and following all these new people, like. I think there's a shift happening in coffee that is moving away from thinking about it as all these individual businesses having to do individual things to more of a, and what I think of potentially fourth wave coffee is this whole idea of people coming together and the idea of community and seeing how businesses supported each other and seeing how more people were like, look, we're going to have to collaborate in order to survive. And seeing more places open like shared roastery spaces, you know, so one roaster doesn't have to buy a $70,000 machine, right? Like they can split it with four other roasters and then rent it out, right? Because most yep. roasters roast two or three times a week and then the rest of the time the roaster just sits there. Like, And so seeing more of that kind of stuff and more sharing of information and people wanting to to get more people into like 
work and 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 really seeing the decline of commodity coffee you know starbucks is so huge but like they haven't had a good go they closed like eight, what 800 stores or something like that like they're just not as popular as they used to be and it's because of our industry and so for me i when i think about the viability of running a coffee business i think it has to be collaborative it has to be this idea of like more than one business more than one person being involved um, or more than one point of view or one, you know, end goal or vision or whatever it is in order for it to be viable because, you know, overhead margins are low in coffee, right? Like you're not making a ton of money on a cup of coffee. Um, so it's like, and again, you, it's really hard to just, if you were to just open a cafe and just sell coffee, like you'd have to be doing crazy high volume to make money, right? Like you have to sell food or have merch or, you know, mm-hmm. have these other things and so it's like I don't really know anything about all that so if I'm going to be doing the coffee side of thing like I need to bring people in to do other stuff and so I think my view on the coffee industry has changed from the individual side of it to it being a necessity for the coffee industry to be a community in order to survive yeah I mean that that just vibes so hard with what what we did this year and why we did it with the mm-hmm. Upstate Coffee Collective. I mean, yeah. we didn't really know what we were going to be. Uh, and I'm sure that that happens with most things, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of just watch it grow organically and, and figure out what works and what doesn't and micro adjust. Right. But mm-hmm. like our our original intention was to create community around coffee which Mm -hmm. a lot of people are doing uh and do it in a way that brings new people in and do it in a way that it that uh showcases the already vibrant coffee community that we have here in upstate new york which like we're not new york city you know we're not boston so people don't think of this area we're we're very um rural where we are Mm -hmm. people don't think of this as being like a bustling like artistic area but it is. And so we spent a lot of time this year highlighting other coffee companies, highlighting arts, uh, artists, uh, creatives, entrepreneurs, people who are making a difference, who are forging their own path, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I didn't even realize it, but that was happening everywhere globally. Yeah. Right. That that movement. I think we all kind of see that same need in the industry collectively yet separately and so we're all doing our own part yeah so i'm excited to see what comes of this and and whatever we do in 2021 i'm excited to to see how the shop table grows and you know if you decide to do something in bc or wherever you decide to open a cafe maybe one day um you know like toronto or something there's like (laughs) in the middle of nowhere where there's no coffee yeah (laughs) (laughs) You know, you you can add to the source that already exists or be the oasis that people need. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah. I, I think a lot of people this year have learned uh, that it's not about the individual, that it's not about the singular business, that like it, we really do have to work together. And, you know, like I was saying before, there there's a group of people and like a lot of people say fourth wave coffee. And I, I almost like I'm almost on like the no wave vibe. Like I get. People are going to call it fourth wave coffee anyway. That's fine. I don't care. I'm not. That's not the hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> but like, there's a group of people finding their voice in coffee right now. There's, you know, we've got Mark, we've got Matt, we've got Kevin, we've got like 
uh, even Lisa Farr is learning more about who she is on a day-to-day basis. And uh, even James Hoffman comes out and talks about like, okay, so here's where I've started. Here's where I am now. I don't exactly know where I'm going, but I, I want I want this to be better. And I think a lot of people this year, especially who started on the individual side of things and what their experience in coffee was and how it related to other people's perspectives, are learning more to create that collective perspective and that we're, and to incorporate more than encapsulate their own ideas within coffee. And I, that's the, like I said, that that's the thing that drives me the most to continue working in coffee is like the idea of growth individually and collectively together, because you don't grow individually if you're not part of a growing collective. Yeah. And I think even like, you know, coffee, coffee is not a, like, I'm not growing coffee, roasting it and then selling it. Right. Like coffee is, is coffee as a commodity is a community involved thing. Right. And the problem for so long was that the people selling it didn't want people to know that. Right. They didn't want people to look into where the coffee came from. They didn't want people to look into how much those people were making. Whereas like now it's like, what? there's this same like I'm a person drinking it and there's a person on the other end who picked it. Right. And we're still people. Right. And I think that's the shift is like this whole idea. Like I still want to drink good coffee like I'm, you know, if you if someone bought really good coffee and blast roasted it. I'm not going to drink it, but I'm happy that you paid a good amount for it. So, yeah. you know, everybody's happy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm glad you paid the correct amount. I'm sorry I don't like your coffee. Like, which happens, though. That's another thing. Like, that's a whole other conversation I have is like these things do happen because everyone's learning about coffee differently. Like I actually here's a really good experience I had this week. Um, my mom loves Starbucks. She freaking loves it. Like I like, and I don't care. Like that's her thing. That's her sure. coffee experience. She was making it this morning while I'm making my Chemex, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I don't give her any shit for it. I, like I smell it. It smells carbonic. I don't want it. I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. but, but at the same time she loves it. So I go into Starbucks this week and the, the work, it's like late and they're closing and the, the manager is kind of like, you know, they're, I don't know what they were still busy by the way just so you know this Starbucks, Starbucks? was like yeah, yeah not people inside but like they must have been getting like app orders and call in orders or whatever because they were all moving pretty quick and I picked up her coffee because my mom needed me to go grab it for it and like um, I ended up having a quick exchange with the I, I guess they call them like coffee masters at Starbucks like that's the term in house that they use for term. the people who have learned enough that they are like in charge of the coffee there or whatever <laughs> um, but they know how to time a shot uh, whatever I, don't you know, know. Like, I, 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 I didn't you know how my brain is I didn't start peeling back the layers I would, like I was just I like wouldn't. I was just like leave it yeah. <laughs> like, um, I had a quick conversation with her uh-huh. um and she mentioned like, oh, yeah, I just I love coffee. And I was like, oh, great. And I we had like one extra bag of the upstate coffee, the all day 80K. Sure. Right. Yeah. So no other purpose other than just to like share the love of coffee and to like promote growth of myself and someone else. And like, you know, just continue creating conversations like the shop table does, like this podcast does. I just brought in a bag and I was just and luckily she was there again the next day. And I was just like, hey, what's up? Um, I'm not buying anything, but I just want you to have this, like, give it a try, check us out. If you like it, hit us up, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, it was a really, and it was a really nice engagement. And that's the kind of stuff that I think like brings people into the coffee community when they see people just loving this thing and sharing that love and passion with one another. Like that's what makes people go, Oh, this is actually something special. It's not just buying something and then 
you know, indulging in it and going home. Hundred percent, man. Yeah. Um, the one of the Mark, one of the most important lessons that I've learned from from knowing Kevin as long as I have is that um, approaching like interactions with strangers in like a super positive and like inviting way is like the catalyst for most adventures. It's the catalyst mm-hmm. for like like really positive experiences. I've met more people because of you. I'm not like a, I'm not a super uh, I'm not a super social guy. So hanging out with Kevin forces me to be super social. <laughs> and it's good because I realize you can you can do stuff like that. You can walk up to a complete stranger yep. and say like, "Hey, I noticed you really like coffee." Uh, you know, no kind of like just like, "Hey, no pressure. Here's some <laughs> coffee." Uh, yeah. or or Kevin will just like meet you know have a little conversation with somebody be like hey you should come on our podcast one day like to a complete stranger like once they have you know a couple of minutes of a good conversation yep that stuff stuff to talk about right (laughs) yes but like interactions like that are so important and they they drive home the 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 concept that i've been like churning in my head for this entire year Mm -hmm. that our our civilization is like i'll keep it to america because i don't really know a lot about other you know other countries you're not going to speak for everybody i won't speak for germany (laughs) but uh it seems like because of the internet our communities are not what they used to be Mm -hmm. before the age of the internet Mm -hmm. when we would all go to church together every sunday and you'd come out of church and you would just meet people and talk to people whatever your like whatever that center point was whether it was Mm -hmm. a cafe or a church or a community event of some other sort you would come together and you it it became a part of you Mm -hmm. like it became a part of your like mental health routine is that like you have Mm -hmm. you have your tribe and it's your community Mm -hmm. your local community we don't have that the way we used to because we're able to communicate with people across the the globe he's in ireland right now Mm -hmm. you know which is great that which is great love this is a miracle this is a miracle and i'm not and i'm not modern uh, miracles i'm not yeah uh diminishing that but it's taking away from a, a really key part of our mental health, our psyche, our like, our um, like even our physical health, really. Mm. That that concept of close knit tribal communities, mm-hmm. and so coffee and what we were doing pre COVID with with meetups and mm-hmm. and creating these community events, it's trying to is it we're trying to create. Um, Forge mm-hmm. genuine human connection. Yes. Yeah. Well, the yeah, the, there's no the, further question. I just wanted to. Yeah, no, <laughs> you're, you're right. Well, it's it's weird. Like the the term I keep using is that like as as hum- humanity, as a group, as a giant species, we are becoming painfully self aware because we have all the information. So like it's it's tough because we we all have this responsibility now of taking that information and then using it responsibly in order to hopefully create a feedback loop that has better information coming in, you know? Like like I keep coming back to that point. Like there's people that are finding their voice that voice that are asking the question consistently, how do we make this better? And that I think is progressive that's proper progressivism it's it's saying it's not saying how do i make it better for me it's saying how do we make this better yeah hell yeah yeah Yeah, literally in the in the department that i work in the leadership studio our definition of leadership 
is a leader is somebody who looks at their world and says, it doesn't have to be this way and does something about it. And that's like literally exactly what you said. It's this idea of like looking at the world, seeing what's actually going on not just like glossing over things, you know, speaking up about it. So saying like, look, hey, this isn't good or this is going wrong or hey, like pay attention to this. And then not just leaving it at that because like lots of people can speak up and you know, that's the whole like performative activism thing. Uh, but you have to then do something about it. You have to involve yourself in what's going on and, you know, be be part of what's changing in order to, like, actually be a leader. Mm-hmm. And that's hard, right? It's not no. it's yeah, not yeah. easy to decide that you're going to dive into something and, and be a leader, you know, and, yeah. and, and be an activist. It's yeah. so easy to uh, virtue signal on Twitter it's not mm-hmm. easy to actually go out in, into your community and try and, and actively make change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of spreading the love, uh, what's in your cup, man? Yeah. What, what's in your mug? <laughs> so I drank, it's it's like four o'clock in the afternoon here, so I can't have any more <laughs> coffee. But this morning I had a washed Kenyan from a roaster here in Northern Ireland called Wild Heart. And I've been wanting to try them for a long time. Uh, they started up like right when I left Northern Ireland in the first place. And it is phenomenal. It's been fantastic. Yeah, so cool, dude. Yeah, uh, super what, tasty. What did it taste like? Uh, so I brewed it on AeroPress this morning because uh, that was what I brought with me because it's like easy to travel with. Uh, and it was like super. Like I like the AeroPress because it gives it like a really creamy body, regardless of like what kind of coffee it is. Uh, so it's like really creamy, uh, like juicy plum sort of. Yeah, like cranberry vibe to it as well. Like it kind of reminded me of a ho- of a holiday coffee without actually being a holiday coffee. Um, but yeah, it's just it's super, like nice bright acidity, even though it was done with the AeroPress, and yeah, it's super tasty. Nice, that's sick. Matt, what are we drinking? Uh, all right, we're uh, so yeah, we're drinking Square Mile. This was uh, I don't know if I caught this when I don't think we were live when I um when I said this, but uh, I signed us up for the world's largest coffee tasting yes. again um, again second time in second a row. time uh square mile had some shipping issues this year real bad go figure 2020 yep. right S- <laughs> <laughs> so uh what they did was they sent out like a full bag of coffee to anybody who had um issues i actually never received my my tasting kit which yeah. is fine and if i ever do if it ever just happens to show up in the mail one day then cool we'll do a little coffee tasting but yep. uh they sent us uh, a Rwandan coffee. This is the from the Gitway. I'm assuming this is the region Gitway. That's not a farm. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit a lack of expertise and say hopefully. <laughs> oh, you know what? No, it's the farm because it says there you go. It's a so this is a wash process Bourbon, mm-hmm. and it's it says uh, produced by various smallholders in the Yamashike region. Oh. And I probably botched that, but yeah. Um, and it's really good. It's got. Uh, like a plum apricot kind of a, a vibe to it. It's definitely fruitier. It's a fruit forward coffee, oh, yeah. um, but it's got a nice body because it's you know washed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the sweetness in it I compared to like a fig. Yeah, you're like yeah. ooh fig notes. Yeah, a little right? bit of fig to it. Um, was happily impressed. This is actually my first square mile coffee that I've ever had. Oh, and I didn't know what to expect. And I'm speaking happily, of James Hoffman, right? Speaking of James yeah. Hoffman, yeah, the man. Yeah, himself. we we had them on bar. At, at guilt trip for I think a month and a half when I was there because we we rotated like who we had um, and I really liked their filter I was less impressed with the espresso that we had but that might have just been the one that we had but their filter was incredible espresso's tough it is 
It's hard to find a good espresso for you, and I think especially because espresso can be such a robust flavor, and, and because it's so concentrated, like whatever citrus the espresso leans toward, it leans into. Yeah, you know, and so like if you're someone who doesn't like much lemon flavor to your coffee uh, there's a lot of espressos out there that you're just gonna be like this is horrible espresso but like it's not horrible it's just not your espresso a lot of single origin light espressos mm -hmm. i can't drink like i, I end up feeling oh, that's yeah. my jam <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a medium roast kind of a, an espresso guy are you yeah 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 you're you're on the light espresso train yeah, oh yeah. So it, I remember when I first came over here and started working at Guild Trip, and the first bag of coffee we had that I remember pouring into, I'm fairly certain it was Five Elephant from uh, Berlin, was what we had on bar when I first started. And I remember pouring it into the hopper of the Mythos and being like, this coffee is orange. Like it was so light. Like I had never seen a coffee that light before. And that was like the standard, like light roast coffee in Europe is significantly lighter than light roast coffee in North America. Um, and, it, and like, I love it. I love bright, super fruity, like espressos. La Cabra from De um, ooh, Denmark, I think, is like their whole thing is like brightness. And we had them on and it was it was really hard to get a crema because they were so light roasted, but super tasty. Yeah. Well, and, you know, crema's one of those things, like, it, it, you could talk about how it's important visually, but maybe not important at all, taste or texture-wise, to your coffee, to your espresso experience, but... It's the worst-tasting um, part of the espresso. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, and <laughs> I remember, actually, I remember James Hoffman getting a lot of crap for, like, scooping crema out and explaining why, and people were just like, that's not what you do, and, like... There's a lot of people going back to the misnomers in coffee and how we're trying to make it better. There's a lot of people who are still on this antiquated opinion that like crema's great um, when it's not always the case. Uh, I, I actually, when it comes to espresso, I love a good espresso blend. I like when people can take a couple of coffees and make a good espresso, not only because I'm beginning to appreciate blends more and more in their uniqueness and the fact that they might not last forever, you know, but like, I, I, I think it takes a, a bit of mastery of your own craft on the post end of roasting to be able to take two things and say, okay, these are probably going to work together and then experiment a little bit with ratios and eventually come around to something that produces crema for the people who care about it and produces really good flavor for the people who care about it and maybe has like a nice approachable level of citrus so not to turn too many people off. I think that's a really interesting craft. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Don't you all, all so all three of us have like regular jobs mm -hmm. and we kind of do coffee as this like hobby passion yeah. project. Don't you wish that you could just take like four days off of work and just sit in your home and fucking dial in coffee? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like cup massive amounts of coffee. Oh yeah. Yep. And that's what I miss about guilt trip, man. It's just getting, we got sent so many samples because we were multi roaster. Like it was bananas and we just did tastings all the time. You're constantly dialing it. Like I miss that for sure. And that's what's up, man. It's my favorite. Yeah, I always feel like, you know, the the few hours per week that I have free, mm -hmm. I don't want to spend them doing housework or, you know, preparing to go back to my day job. I just want to geek out yeah. for like hours and mm -hmm. just uninterrupted coffee tasting. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm looking forward to the holidays. Yeah. You doing anything for the holidays, Mark? Yeah, what are you doing? 
Yeah, so we're 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 here in Northern Ireland. Uh, we're gonna be we get out tomorrow, which is super exciting. Uh, we're staying with Hannah's Hannah's family, uh, and then just yeah, hanging out with them um, over the holidays, like seeing seeing friends from here, uh, organizing lots lots of outdoor walks to be safe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be a lot of that, uh, which oh, in Northern Ireland it rains all the time, so that'll be fun. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's what we're doing, and then. We, we go back to Canada on the 4th of January. So we're here for New Year's as well. So it'd be nice to just spend time with family that we, like I haven't seen them since uh, summer of 2019. So it's been about a year and a half since I've seen Hannah's family. So uh, yeah, pretty excited to be here. That's awesome, man. Now, what are you doing for the holidays? So, so we're in upstate New York. Yeah. Uh, I am from Connecticut, the state of Connecticut. Uh-huh. Um, most of my family is down there. A lot of my family, like I, my grandparents are still alive, but you know, they're getting up there in age and mm-hmm. they're obviously rightfully a little afraid of COVID. So we're just, we're hanging here. We're, yep. we're Saratoga all season long. I've got, uh, a couple of, you know, I, we're, we're still, <laughs> the funny thing is, so I've only been married for a year and a half mm-hmm. and we're, we're now just starting to, uh, to, to experience that stress of which how you know which family do we go visit mm. first and you know mm-hmm. switching off on the families and i don't get to see my mom very often blah, blah. so we're trying to figure all that out but yeah. we'll be we'll be here we'll be in upstate new york enjoying hopefully some snow we haven't gotten any snow to Not stick yet much. yeah so yeah what about it's been you sticking Kay? up north man um up north like by by your your family camp yeah, by where we're from from yep yeah up there in uh, olmsteadville or whatever right? olmsteadville dude it's like yeah it's so backwards up there yeah. i love it though uh <laughs> it's seriously it's the middle of nowhere um i'm yeah i'm just hanging with fam man actually i am in i have to leave in a few minutes because we're doing family photos in buffalo plaid for the holidays this year oh fun times there you go yeah my my dad and um my my dad and my stepmom who's really like you know just my second mom they were complaining that we haven't done family photos in a while like not since my sister's wedding so we got them um like a photo shoot to do for the holidays so that they oh, can cool. put the new photo and like have the updated family picture because that's important to them you know like, like yeah 100 percent. yeah that's always a nice thing to do so we're actually we're going to do that uh in a little bit but i wanted to ask what is your jam man what do you listen to music wise you, you've been in isolation you must have that oh yeah uh i've been honestly like right now it's been the novo amore album on repeat yes mm. the new one. Oh my <laughs> word it is every song on that album is a banger like they're just so good uh, so i just yeah it like if i had to pick a favorite on the album it would be either no plans or keep me were my two favorites um but yeah novo more like it's just like good music for anything uh and then like strangely a lot of pop punk at the same time oh. so a lot of like state champs and uh and like old pop punk, like Blink One Eighty Two, and and oh, and nice. that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's been a mix, but State Champs is from our backyard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sick! Yeah, yeah I love State here. Champs. So good. Actually, fun fact: the I believe the guitarist mm-hmm. for State Champs or bassist, I forget his mm-hmm. name's Tyler. Um, he's from literally like Clifton Park, and he played in a band with like a few of my friends from oh, Clifton one? from Clifton Park and Ball. Oh, sick. Um, what the hell were they called? It was like Mike Regina and uh, Jordan. 
Oh, uh, last minute letter, last bro. Minute letter. Yeah, yeah, dude, love those guys. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. Two thousand and six. Yep. No, two thousand and eight. Yeah, I had their Nike. They did like they ripped off Nike. They took the Nike swoosh and then just put last minute letter on a shirt. And I was like, "Can I get one of those?" They go, "Yes," and we're never making them again. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> What's your jam? <laughs> so you're you're gonna be surprised by this. Um, I'm gonna be. You're surprised. gonna be surprised. Oh. By this. yeah, because Ke- right. Kevin knows that I'm I'm uh, I'm a fan of of bands like Novo more. Oh, you love you know, Novo. Know I love that kind of a vibe. Turnover. Turnover. Uh. And like lo-fi beats. Mm-hmm. This week, my jam has been like math rock. Huh. Like Polyphia. Okay. And Pliny. Oh Pliny, yeah. Pliny. Yeah. Um, like almost exclusively and uh uh eternity forever mm, progressive which, instrumental yeah yeah exactly that's yeah. been my jam lately nice Eter- yeah. well you love eternity forever that kurt travis stuff God. that he did yeah that yeah, yeah that's a good jam well and they also i didn't realize this and it makes a lot of sense they sound a lot like Ch- uh chan oh yeah and that's because their bassist is literally the bassist from chan oh nice now they were 2016 and short-lived and now they do other stuff but Man, they put out that EP uh, called. What is it? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, uh, I give up on that. That's my jam. Nice. What about you, Kev? What's your jam, dude? Mine is straight up because I'm like listening to it and analyzing it right now. I'll probably listen to it on the drive back up again. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Kid Cudi? Whoa, Man on the Moon Three, baby. Oh, dude. Yo, I saw that he released a new album. That's tight. And it's, it's Man on the Moon 3? Dude, it's really good. Uh, you know, we've been, like, I've, I love, like, I love the vibe that Kid Cudi has, and I love the effect that he had on music moving forward, because, like, he's in, influenced an entire, like, an, enti- an entire style of hip-hop totally. at this point. You know, like, it's almost like, yeah, like, this emo hip-hop that's come out of that, like, this <laughs> yeah. culture that's, like, not afraid to be like, yeah, you know, like, wh- yeah, we're pretty hard, and we got some cheddar this week, but I got some feels. And and this album does not let down on that. Like, it's really good. My Actually, my favorite track so far is The Void, which is, like, as you might imagine, just, like, this song about, like, casting yourself into the void. Like, mm. yeah, he's so good. Yeah. All right, boys. I gotta wrap this up. I have to go pose pretty for pictures. Love Mark, it. Thank you for coming on, dude. Yeah, this has been fun. Thanks been for having me. This was great. This has been super fun. Yeah, dude. Yeah, let's stay connected. Let's uh, let's collaborate on stuff. And yeah, let's keep let's keep chatting, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Mark. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Yeah. Happy holidays. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>